0: Good morning, you H-holes. <laughs> Changing it up. Classic. Classic. Classic Cliff. Oh,
1: man. H-holes.
0: All right. Uh, well, we could pretend like this isn't the second episode in a row that we're recording back to back. Ooh, second in a row?
1: Yeah. That's or
0: right. we could tell our listeners that this is our second episode in a row that we're recording back-to-back number two. That's right. So you get We're rid- behind, and we need to catch back up That's to right. our normal standards.
1: So these are our sloppy seconds.
0: These are <laughs> our sloppy seconds. Yes. <laughs> yes. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about some fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, but first, our sponsor <laughs> is Honey Hole Angling. Whoa, you guys have heard this. Honey. By now, you know our sponsor. They're and you Honey know Hole Angling. The products that they put out there.
1: And they're fantastic. And they are fantastic. They make you look better. They make you look better. They, they make, make you fish, fish better. better. Right. Oh, we we both nailed it. We did exactly. We knew exactly. We were like, oh, not only do you look better, but yeah, you also see. you bring more fish home. That's right. Right? You get to touch more scales. Touch more scales. Touching scales. That's right. So touching scales, flipping
0: tails. That's right. <laughs> so thanks to our sponsor. Uh we have a lot of other content out there. Uh we have a second podcast.
1: Ooh. Oh, oh, oh. Field and streaming. Where we review outdoor movies. Yeah. Maybe sometimes not outdoor.
0: Maybe maybe, sometime. the, maybe
1: sometimes you just see some clouds.
0: You know? Yeah. It's outdoor enough. As long as they've seen is filmed outdoors.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yep. And we we have some uh we have some good some good things in the work for you guys. A little bit different. But if you're a movie fan like all of us are, we love movies, and we love talking about movies. That's what we, honestly.
1: <clears throat> we just like to hear ourselves talk.
0: We just like to hear ourselves talk, but when we sit down to record a podcast, we we BS for about an hour before we actually hit record, and then we start recording. And a lot of times that BSing is talking about movies that we've recently watched. Yeah. And critiques of movies. Oh, yeah. So we're like, you know what? Why don't we just make this a little bit more formal and hit the record button, and we'll do movie reviews.
1: Yeah. And it's great. Our first yeah. one was... A River Runs Through It. Our second one is... Bull Durham. Zach, right. what's our third one going to be?
0: Because you get to pick the third one.
1: That's right. Did we set all on Clue? Is it going to be Clue? I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. It might be Clue. I know what my next one's going to be. Clue is fantastic. It's such a good movie. So, And they're outside for... Hey, they're, actually, they're in the rain for a portion of it. Okay. And there's a dog. All right. So there's. Is def- it a hunting dog? Um, It's a Doberman. Okay. So, no, but it's a big dog. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yeah, we we have that. And uh, if you guys want, they're short episodes, maybe 20, 30 minutes tops. Top,
1: 30 minutes tops. 30 minutes sure. tops. This Both one
0: just, it kind of rolls as we feel like it, honestly. Right. Sometime, we kind of talk about what we talk about. And then when we're done, we're done. Exactly. Our goal is an hour and a half, but we have definitely gone longer. Gone longer gone and longer. gone shorter. Exactly. It's so, just part of it. But uh, 30 minutes tops, you get a movie review a week. And at some point, we might be taking uh, listener suggestions.
1: Ooh, I like that idea. Open it up to everything. Yeah. That's right. Documentaries, shorts, animated movies, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, uh, what's the one with the dog and the and the fox? Oh, Fox and the Hound. Fox and the Hound. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, Break Your Heart. Bambi, it's hunting. Yeah, Less break your heart, you know? <laughs>
0: Uh, so anyway we got that going on we have a discord we have instagram tiktok yada 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 you know like and we got to be on everything that's out there that's right we're not on twitter though it's probably good i'm on twitter
1: yeah but But you know you don't want to see my twitter though if you're out there no it's just it's nothing it's a whole bunch of nothingness
0: um, but, yeah, we're pretty much on all the platforms. But we do have a Discord server. It is a chat room where you can communicate with us and other members and other listeners. And it is fun. It is fun. We share recipes. We share food We talk recipes. about fishing. We talk about bow hunting tips and tricks, and people give some really good advice. We talk about fly fishing. Every now and then we somebody tries memes. to
1: sell. Oh, yeah. We, oh, that's right. It's a big meme thing. Yeah.
0: A lot of memes going around. Tom Rosenbud for 420. That was great. That was funny. It was quite funny. Yeah. If you know, you know. So you have to join the Discord. That's right. You got to join
1: the Discord. No. We have rules that when everyone feels welcome and accepted. But hey, you know, come be yourself too.
0: Yeah. All right. So with all that being said,
1: Zach, what are we drinking tonight? Tonight. So we are drinking beer tonight. Oh, this is going to be rough. It's going to be rough. It's a little flat too because it's about a day old. I brought it in a growler, but it still tastes phenomenal. Actually, you might like it flat. So, anyways, this is... From <laughs> Landon just sniffed it, <laughs> and he made a grotesque face. <laughs> um, if you guys don't know, I don't like beer. No, not at all. But uh, this is from Free Rome up there in Bernie, Texas. The owner, or one of the co-owners is Jeremy Affelt, one of the three-time uh, World Series champion pitcher for the Giants. He is the co-owner of this brewery, and uh, their brewmaster... Man, he is doing some cool stuff. He's making some great beer. Um, obviously, I'm a little biased because I like the story of the place, but I think he is brewing some of my favorite beer I've ever had. And um, this one's called Red Eyes. So it's a slightly hoppy red ale. Um, so it's a little sweeter because it's that red ale, so it's a little more caramelized. And uh, but they do add a few hops in it, not like a true IPA, but enough to kind of give you a little bit of that bitter. Um, that bitter profile as well, but you're not completely scowling. So No, it's not horrible. It's not horrible, right? And, I, this, and that's this a is, big
0: hey. That's a big win for me. Yeah. If
1: you say a beer is not horrible, that means that it's a fine, good beer. But I'm done. Yeah, you don't need more.
0: I don't need more. But actually, though, I will say, drinking it is better than the aftertaste. The aftertaste is not good. I don't even
1: know what the aftertaste is. Beer.
0: A- aftertaste is. The taste that's left over in your mouth. After no, I know, I
1: know what it is. I don't even okay. know what. I don't know what. I don't. I'm not tasting any aftertaste right now. You're not. Mm-mm. Very bitter aftertaste. That's probably a little bit of those hops that they put in there. Yeah. But um, I, I, uh, I enjoy this beer. I enjoy that brewery. It's cool. They play every Giants game, no matter what time of day it's playing. And that's uh, cool. Yeah. And you go there. Do they,
0: they? Realistically, how many Giants fans are around here though?
1: More than you think, more than you think, because they've been pretty good the last twelve years or so. So you know when teams are good, they always get a fans. Um, I mean, it's the same reason why you look around and everybody's a Dodgers fan right now—it's because they're good, you know. Mm. So you grimaced <laughs> like I did about beer.
0: You mentioned the Dodgers and Dodgers, and they just threw a horrible
1: face. at Yeah, like I know. That. And we're about to go. We're about to go to a bar with a buddy of mine who's a big Dodgers fan from LA. So. Oh. oh, yeah, I didn't tell you that part. <laughs> yeah. No. No, he's going to have his Dodgers gear on and everything.
0: Nice. Yeah, so what we'll, see, I, we'll see how it I goes.
1: Uh, orange, preferably, or, uh, you know, red if yeah. you're neutral.
0: We'll see.
1: we'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure.
0: Um. So, we already discussed our Guadalupe trip on the last episode, so if you haven't listened to that if one. If you want to
1: hear about our amazing day on back. the Guadalupe.
0: It's weird doing two episodes in a row.
1: Cause it's like we shared all our stories. We shared our
0: stories, our personal stories. So now, we're like fishing for content.
1: <laughs> did you uh, see what I did there? Oh, uh, this punny. is horrible. We could just share some puns. Okay,
0: so I actually found this interesting article, um, and uh, I think maybe bring some uh, some helpful tips and tricks to our Ooh, listeners. Okay. out in the
1: field, we haven't done this in a while. So tips and tricks.
0: This is a backcountry tip, and it'll apply to fishing, whether you're hunting, if you're just outside working. What happens if you get a common outdoor injury? What do you need to do to treat it? Um,
1: What kind of injury? We're talking just like. We're talking
0: burns, cuts, and sprains.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: You probably have a first aid kit. If you don't have a first aid kit, you should. But a first aid kit doesn't do you any good if you do not know how to treat the
1: injuries. What are you talking about? You just take everything out of the first aid kit and you stuff it in the wound. (laughs) Is that how it works? Yeah.
0: Yeah, take everything out of the first aid kit, scissors and everything, and just pack your wound with it. Just pack
1: your wound? That's yeah. You, that's not what you do? Oh, uh, okay. Apparently not, no. Yeah, if you have a broken arm, you just tape that stuff to your arm.
0: At one point in my life, I was... Uh, was kind of, I wish I, I kind of want to do it again, but it's a pretty extensive class. Oh, yeah? Is... uh wilderness CMT.
1: Oh, I'm you know when I was uh, a Cub Scout as a kid, my dad came and gave a presentation on safety because you know he was a, he was a mm-hmm. nurse in the, in the army. And um, he was asking, "Okay, so if you ever get a cut, what would you what's the first thing you do?" And I remember being like in third grade raising my hand and being like, "You'd put Trace on it." And he looked at me, and I think that's the proudest he's ever been of me, because <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "Wow, I didn't know you knew that." And I was like, "Thanks, you know." That's third showing off like, for your dad. Yeah, third exactly. Grade. I was like, "Bastard, tracing. That's a big word. And he looked at me like, "Wow, good job." And he like, you know, it wasn't like that parent like, "Good job, I'm proud of you." And it's like they're just saying it. Yeah. It was like. It was like heart he was, melted. Yeah, honestly, I've never seen that face again. So it's definitely the the peak of of his uh, father. You know, being a father. It's <laughs> right like his, his
0: proudest moment that you can remember. You've been searching <laughs> for that like uh, that high ever that since. That high ever <laughs> since. <laughs> and it was
1: just because I answered Bassett. But Tracen. it's just
0: ever since you've been seven, you've just been let down after let down. <laughs> it was
1: never as good as the Bassett traces. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he took you for ice cream after two. That's right. You know, I, I showed him Neosporum one time. He was less impressed. <laughs>
0: All right. Burns, cuts, and sprains. How to treat common outdoor injuries. So for burns, let's say you get burned. Uh, lighten a cigar on the river and burn your finger. Too much sun. Make sure you wear sunscreen.
1: Yeah, wear sunscreen. Otherwise, you got to get stuff burned off your face.
0: Um, or if you're dealing with a campfire or something like that, it's a common way you could get burned. Uh, but it, no matter how you get burned, here's how you uh, will treat it. Um First, you want to get the burn on ice. Otherwise, dose it with cool water. Blisters will form. Yep. Do not pop them. Oh. The fluid under the blister is sterile, and when left intact, your chances of infection are less likely.
1: Oh, that makes sense.
0: Because when you pop a blister and you imagine it, you have exposed... uh, Exposed wound. You have, like, exposed... like
1: Versus that skin. Originally, that blister is actually protected. Yeah.
0: Sometimes they naturally pop, and you do what you can do, but... Don't intentionally pop your yeah. Your and blister. also,
1: I wouldn't. If you do pop it, I wouldn't go hang out in like the Texas Gulf Coast for a bit.
0: I wouldn't go swimming for a cell phone and
1: porta potty. Oh no! Ugh. Like we talked about on our last oh, episode. Man, can you imagine blistery poo? <laughs> Gross! Everyone just made that face in their car right <laughs> I now. I know.
0: <laughs> when the blisters pop on their own, you face serious chance of infection forming between the dead skin of the blister and your body. Using a sharp, small, and sterile pair of scissors, trim the dead skin off as close to the outside of the burn as possible. So, when a blister does pop and you have that dead skin, you want to trim that skin off. Can I just rip it off. Um, ripping, depending on how it's connected, I could can sometimes be painful. I think scissors would be more precise. Oh, I got you. If you have me. them, if you don't have them, I would still probably say it's better to remove yeah. the skin the best way you can.
1: Or if you have a very high pain tolerance, just rip it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um. After this, wash the wound thoroughly. Soap and water will disinfect the wound as well as anything, but make sure to
1: boil your water first if you're in the outdoors. And Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, don't go just dunk it in the lake.
0: And also, if you boil your water, let it cool down before you apply it to your skin <laughs> you or you'll burns. get another
1: burn. <laughs> you know, there's been somebody who's probably gotten a second burn by putting hot water on the burn.
0: Yeah. Oh, it said to boil the water like this I can imagine like a little first aid booklet in a first aid skit. Yeah. Oh, you're burned. Make sure you boil the water so someone boils it and then like 2 minutes later they pour it on. And they're mm. burned all over again. Oh there. my gosh. You um, know that's happened. Keep the wound covered. Dirt or other debris or unsterile water can lead to infection. Keep these things out of the wound by covering the burn thoroughly and changing the bandages daily non-adherent gauze pads will create less pain and won't open the wound up when changing bandages. Duct tape can help secure and waterproof bandages. Remember to bring lots of bandages
1: in your first aid kit. Yeah, I always keep duct tape. That's like a go-to because you can use it as a blister protector or a Band-Aid. Yeah. However, though, I will say I put it on one of my students one time and then they asked to go to the nurse and they went down there and they came back with a Band-Aid and... They were like, the nurse says that's unsanitary. And I was like, oh, well. <laughs> all right, duct tape's always Teacher done well of the for year. Me. <laughs> Zach, teacher of the year. 20,
0: 2022, <laughs> applying duct tape to students.
1: <laughs> they asked for a bandit, and I was like, I don't got one right this second. I'll send it to the nurse, but I'll also here's some duct tape for right now.
0: Um, If the burn starts to become infected, begin taking the antibiotic, antibiotics right away. And make immediate plans to get out. So if you're in if you're in the outdoors, in the wild, and you get an infection,
1: leave. Does it say what an infection will look like?
0: It does not, but if you know Zach, you can describe
1: it. Yeah. So typically it has, like, white pus, or if it turns to green, that's definitely bad, right? Yep. But any kind of off color, right? That's what I would say. Color, yep. smell, also, a lot of people forget, but, like, I mean, I know if you're out in the woods for a couple of days, you might smell, but... Um, an infection will start to smell, especially if it's left untreated.
0: Um, another thing is you can track an infection, um, you know, by, if you have a pin or something, you can mark your arm oh, yeah. by the redness. And so you can see if the
1: infection is spreading or right. getting
0: larger. And you can do that with like, you know, bee stings or bites or
1: anything like that as well. And you can take a little bit of your skin and dilute it with water and then feed a plant next to you with it. And in three days it dies Then you have an infection.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where you're going with that. Honestly, I was like, "What the heck are you talking about?" This is going to be horrible cuz people if <laughs> they don't catch your know. if they don't catch your sarcasm, then they're going to be like, "I'm going to stay out here for 3 days and, and wait for this plant, plant to die."
1: <laughs> That's a lie. Yeah. Let's listen to Landon's stuff. Landon if has the If it's coming good stuff. out of my mouth, it's
0: it's more reliable. It's good. Yeah. If Zach is making comments
1: Unless it's Bacitracin. That, that'll, <laughs> that'll carry you through. <laughs> uh,
0: frostbite. So this is how you treat frostbite. When temperatures drop, um, inadequate or damp boots or gloves are common causes of frostbite. In extreme conditions, taking your gloves off for even a short period of time can be all it takes to cause frostbite. On windy days, your face is equally at risk. Prevention for frostbite is paramount. Being prepared with the right clothing and keeping it dry is your first against Defense against frostbite, bite, but if conditions get the best of you, here's what you do. Um, I mean, we're in Texas. I really don't think frostbite's like a huge issue for us. But a no, lot of people that that's travel. That's not true
1: because um, you weren't there my freshman year in Lubbock, though. Uh, we had wind chills of 19, and several students got frostbite going to class. Really? Yeah. I
0: don't remember that.
1: Yeah, I think you weren't there yet because I was there in 2010, mm-hmm. and you were not, right? Yep. Yep, so it was the winter of 2010. We had wind chills that went down to negative 19. And several I'd, students just weren't prepared, and they got frost. I don't think it was major, like nothing awful or anything like that. I think was so. it on their face? I think probably. a tiny bit on their nose, yeah. yeah. It was like the, the big one. Um, but, yeah, so it can happen. All know? right. I revoke my last statement. Yeah, uh, once in 12 years.
0: But I think in just like the Texas freeze, like like snow apocalypse, people wouldn't expect that to happen, so not they're not all. prepared for it. No. So I think us talking about frostbite is a good thing Definitely. because – Just have it in your mind and be thinking about it. Right. Um, First thing you can do is find shelter out of the wind. Set up a tent and get inside. No tent. Duck behind some sort of natural wind block or build one. Do whatever it takes to get your frostbitten skin out of the cold. Gently warm the frostbitten area. Keep in mind that rubbing the frostbite or walking on it, if it's your feet, to warm up the frostbite can create further damage. Use warm water or body heat to warm the frostbitten area. For example... Uh, tuck frostbitten fingers in your armpit. Refrain from using a hot pad, stove, or hot water to warm the area because frost frostbite makes the area numb and you could burn it.
1: Oh, okay. but, but and then, we, then
0: you we have just to go back. About, yeah. You have to go back to number what we just talked about, which is burns. Yeah. Continue to keep the frostbitten area warm and dry. Elevating it will help curtail any painful throbbing, and consider taking ibuprofen.
1: Yeah. And then uh, you know the coolest thing about getting frostbite though, is it you turn cool? to a, you turn into a frost vampire and you have to drink snow cones to survive. Oh, so oh. you know it's not the not not everything's bad about it.
0: Yeah. Um, a, a, a hot tip for frostbite: mittens are warmer than gloves. They work best without glove liners. That way, they allow your fingers to touch for skin on skin body warmth.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So then, do you double glove? What do you mean do you double du- gloves? Do you double mitten? You know? Because a lot of those gloves now have like regular gloves and then they have mittens on top. They're like foldable. Like you can fold them back.
0: Yeah. Um I don't think you double. I think you just do that. Because I think the the mitten's glove combo is for, like, fishing. So you still have the finger dexterity.
1: And I guess you would still have have the the skin on skin. Yeah. You know, just the tips. Just the tips. And that's
0: what's most likely to get frostbitten. The tips of your toes, the tips of your fingers, the tip of your nose are the most likely areas to get frostbitten. Yep. The next one is deep cuffs. Cuts? Cuts. (coughs) Sorry.
1: (coughs) This is where you have to pack.
0: Yeah. Scissors and everything. (laughs) Just kidding! I shouldn't be making the jokes because we've already established <laughs> that I'm the truth truth teller. Um, axe injuries or a slip of the knife are the most common ways to get cuts in the outdoors. Ooh, or can you
1: imagine an axe like mixing your log and then just? Oof. I cut myself with a weed whacker once, right across the front of my shin. <laughs> was yeah. it bad? Did you have a <laughs> scar. It was pretty bad, actually. No, I don't. I don't think I have a scar. But it was oh, you want to see kids. that? I
0: have a scar on my finger right there.
1: Yeah, I can see that
0: one. My dad had to take me to the ER. Dad, I know you're listening. <laughs> uh, because I was whittling a stick and cut my finger open pretty good. Had to get a couple stitches.
1: Oh, yeah? Yeah. I was yeah. a wee I was a wee lad. I, think I got one on my arm from a burn from a hair straightener.
0: How'd you burn yourself with a hair straightener? Uh, and also, did you treat the burn effectively with the tips and tricks that... Tips and tricks that I mentioned. I rubbed
1: some, some basset tracing on it. <laughs> <So> <laughs> your dad was so proud. Hey, well, my dad wasn't there at this point. So <laughs> <laughs> he would have been proud.
0: Chasing that high, burned yourself on purpose so you could get your dad's approval. Exactly. I called him that morning, <laughs> getting ready for school. I was like, guess what I used today? <laughs> so, no, but how did you burn yourself with a curling
1: iron? Uh, so, let's see. Uh, So when I was a kid, I was raised by a single mom. I went into her bathroom early in the morning one day to ask her a question, and then I think like I was like, okay, I'm already in here. I want to use her her sink to like get my hair wet, and I went like this, like down. And the second I did, my forearm touched her hair straightener. Yeah, it was pretty bad. And like two like you know, stripes.
0: Speaking of injuries, have you did you suffer any other like injuries as a kid? Like I
1: broke several bones. Oh, I've never broken a bone. Really? Yeah, I've broken no. three. Um, uh they're all great stories.
0: Oh, let's Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we were like so worried about oh, we're doing two podcasts <laughs> oh, back to back. Yeah. How are we going to have content? Now this we're is talking like about injuries. This is the best thing ever. All right. So, uh, let's talk about it. Okay,
1: so I was third grade. I uh, I took my my I had we had a playscape in our backyard, you know, with a slide and everything. Mm-hmm. So, I was really into Indiana Jones. <laughs> so, I t- <laughs> I <laughs> took our water hose and I fed it up the up the playscape and down the slide, and I was reenacting a scene. And I was running around our backyard, and I jumped on the slide and grabbed the hose to, like, pull myself up, you know? Oh, yeah. And then probably, like three-quarters of the way up, I missed my step, and I fell off the slide, and I landed on my arm from, like, seven feet up. Nice. Yeah, and so I broke my arm then.
0: What was that like? Was it casted and everything?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then it was like a full arm cast, too, from like pretty much my shoulder all the way down across. Did it like, itch? I hear that's a thing. That's... Oh, yeah. A little third grader with like this like heavy thing, you know? It was crazy. Everybody signed it. Everybody did sign it. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty nice, you know? It was right before my parents got divorced. So. Uh, you know, I can't blame anything on them, you know, so. <laughs> Do you think this had it? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Bass and Trace, it doesn't fi- fix a broken heart. <laughs> All right, so you broke your arm. <laughs> yep. What yep. else, what other bone did you uh, break? That was basketball season two, so then, um, you know, I was on track to get a scholarship, and, uh, and it's just in third grade. never What? <laughs> Never, never <laughs> pay it down after that. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Next thing, two years later, fifth grade, playing flag football during PE. Uh, I go to get a kid. I go to tackle him, even though we're playing flag. And uh, I missed him, and I fell on my wrist. And then I broke my, it was always my right hand, too. And I'm right-handed. And so it was always a pain. It was never during the summer. Uh, so uh, that one, I just broke my wrist. So I just had a front cast. And I think I had a red cast. And that was pretty cool. Yeah. And then seventh grade, we went to uh, the Medieval Times in Dallas, you know. Oh, gosh, this is
0: seventh grade, you went to the Medieval Times. Medieval Times, actually, in
1: in, in Houston, not Dallas, in Houston. Oh, my gosh, this is going to be so good. All right, (laughs) okay, how did you break a bone in the Medieval Times? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I didn't break it at Medieval Times, but Medieval Times inspired me. So we went went to the hotel after Medieval Times, and I'm pretending I'm the Green Knight. Even though he lost that night, I was still excited about it. And um, so I'm chasing my brothers around the pool, and I jump into the pool thinking, like, oh, I'm going to be the Green Knight. And I also pointed my feet down at the same time, and I jumped in the short section. And I went landed with my toes onto the concrete, and I broke my toes. How many toes did you break? Just two on my Right foot left foot.
0: So, no, it wasn't like you broke toes on both feet. You No, broke- no, just one.
1: Yeah. However, there's not much they can do for a broken toe outside of giving you a goofy-ass-looking shoe. And so I ran around with a clog for a couple of weeks. Mm. It's like, honestly, it's this big wooden clog that they give you that's like a sandal. And it was the middle of winter, and it looked awful.
0: Oh, I'm sure. I bet the kids didn't sign that. I bet they just pointed and made well, fun. Well, yeah, no, it
1: was just a bare foot. <laughs> They're like, it's 35 degrees outside. Why is your foot bare? And I'm like, because I broke my toe. Playing as a knight. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I never broke any bones. I had that cut incident. Um, I'm allergic to bees. Oh, yeah. And I've been I've been taken to the hospital for bee stings. And I had some, like, sports injuries uh, in high school. One year, I had, like, a really bad, like, back pain. Yeah. I had to do physical therapy, um, to like recover from, but, um, and then now I have knee problems, but, no, never any broken bones or like torn ACL or like, stuff. Other, I guess I've been knock on wood pretty, pretty, pretty lucky. Good. Yeah, pretty lucky. Considering you broke
1: broke three bones. Yeah, I've sprained a lot too. Yeah, I've had more sprains than breaks. Oh it, the sad thing about a sprain. I think is I had a wrist sprain one time really? from playing dodgeball in like middle school PE. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why we don't do dodgeball anymore. It's called the Landon Law. It's probably. <laughs> dodgeball is the greatest sport ever. It is, but they, yeah. You know, they make a thing about it.
0: And then remember when they used to use like the good like hard balls that you could put some force yeah, and behind Now there's those foam ones. It's it those just, foam ones. They, they go nowhere. They they don't go anywhere.
1: And it looks like some kid is taking a bite out of it. Yeah, because they have. <laughs> Like they really have taken yeah, a bite out
0: of true. it. True, it's like a mouth. Print. There's like that one. There's that one kid that everyone knows. Like bites the ball. sits in the corner, bites the dodgeball,
1: and rips it out. And he pretends he's like a squirrel or something, yeah. and he's like, "Okay, that's just Jimmy." He throws the dodgeball and spits it out as like intimidation.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, he just collects it in his cheeks like a chipmunk. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh. Uh. Yeah. No. So, that's it.
0: Yeah, no other injuries for me that I can think of. The big one being, like, uh, I mean, hospital. At times I've had to go to the hospital. The finger cut. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty gnarly. Like, it was pretty deep. It was to, to the bone? Uh, Close. I, honestly, I don't remember. Yeah. But I remember it being, like, look, and they had to stitch it up pretty good. Yeah. And I still have this good, I have this great-looking scar. Um, I never had stitches. You and know, then, like, going to the hospital for, like, bee stings. Oh,
1: yeah. When I was a kid, though, like, my dad being a nurse, we didn't go to the hospital unless it was, like, awful, you know? And so I remember one time I... Your dad um, did home health? Yeah, yeah my dad <laughs> did home health a lot of times. Uh, I remember one time I fell down the stairs, and I hit my head on our hearth, on our fireplace hearth. You know, like, the big... You know, like, they used to be, like, the big brick hearths that, like, yeah. were, like, raised. And I split my head open. Nice. And my mom's freaking out, freaking out, bleeding everywhere. And my dad's like, we're not going to the hospital because you're just going to staple it or they're going to... Uh, or they're going to um like suture it. He was like, We have a staple gun here, like a like a specific a trauma staple gun. He was like, I'm just gonna do it here. And so <laughs> my dad took me into their bathroom and just went like dish, dish, and I got like three or four staples across my head. Nice. Yeah. I, and my skulls are still a little weirdly shaped from it too. That's what's off. That's what's off. Yeah. What's
0: <laughs> off. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I injured Carson pretty bad as a, as a as a young what lad. Did you do? I I slammed his finger in the door.
1: Oh, I did that to Eli too.
0: But like and he was little and I believe it was on Mother's Day. My mom <laughs> oh could God. confirm it. It always happens on <laughs> Mother's. Day. But he wanted to come in my room. You know, I saw him as like the annoying little brother. I didn't want him in there oh. and I was like I shut the door and like I closed the door. Like, the, the went into the latch oh. with his finger in the door. Do you have to go so, to the hospital? Sorry, Carson. Uh, Yeah, I'm pretty sure they went to the hospital. Yeah. I was much younger than, um, shoot, I was probably in, like, fourth grade, maybe. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Hard to remember, but I do remember, yeah, I, I definitely showed his finger in the door. That definitely happened, and probably on Mother's Day.
1: Yeah, it always happens Speaking on Speaking
0: of Mother's Day. Day coming up.
1: Yeah. But, yeah, sorry, Carson. I threw a baseball. We were throwing pitch in the backyard, and um, I threw a baseball at Eli, and he wasn't ready for it, and it hit him in the face and broke his tooth. Nice. But that's okay.
0: (laughs) Oh, but that's okay. I'm on here apologizing to Carson. Dude, I'm so sorry I shut your finger in the door as a kid. Uh, your arthritis is probably because you, like, you know, have no finger in. Oh, Zach, he's, he's and Zach's b- like, And Zach's like, I, I hit my brother in the face with a baseball, but
1: it's okay. Oh, he's got me back. <laughs> 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 One time I had braces and he hit me in the face with a bamboo stick. And he hit me so hard, it literally attached my lip to my braces. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. So then I had to go, I literally had to go to the bathroom. And then my nurse dad came in and. <laughs> Each, each piece of skin, each lip oh. chunk from the braces. It was, always, oh. yeah, it was pretty bad.
0: I got, I took a baseball to the face as a kid. Um, It was like a fly ball, and I put my glove up. Uh-huh. And it was like the sun or something yeah. was in the way. And the next thing I know is like, it's right. <clears> throat> and, throat> and I had like a busted up lip and everything. Ooh, yeah. But I don't think I, I didn't break any teeth or anything like that. But it was pretty gnarly for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. So we'll keep working through these, um, an ax injury or slip of the knife, what we were last talking about. First of all, don't panic. The sight of blood from a deep cut can be shocking, not just the victim. Um, stay calm and follow the steps below, whether it's you or someone else. Um, immediately apply firm pressure. This should slow the bleeding. If you are unable to stop the bleeding by applying firm pressure, Uh, Affix a tourniquet no less than two inches above the injury. Remove your hand from the wound once the bleeding has slowed. Then clean the wound with the sterilized water and or pour disinfectant on it, such as iodine, rubbing alcohol, or hydrogen peroxide. Clean the surrounding area with alcohol wipes. Dry the area around the wound using sterile gauze. Close the wound. Stitch the cut with sutures or close it with the seri strips or butterfly sutures in a pinch. Cut thin strips of duct tape. Make sure that the wound is closed tightly. Cover the wound with bandages to keep it clean. If possible, elevate the wound. If the wound is not severe, keeping it above your heart will reduce swelling and throbbing and will help slow continued bleeding. However, if the wound is severe, keeping continued pressure on the wound is more important than the elevation. Hmm. If the wound is severe, lay the person flat on their back and elevate both legs. This will help prevent shock.
1: They also sell those little tourniquet things, too. <clears throat> they're, like, the the band, and they have, like, the little plastic thing and, like, the, the latch, yeah. you know? And those are pretty handy in that sort of situation. Um, next- and then now, actually, they make that, that powder that, um, like, all schools have them and stuff for emergencies. You rip open the packet, you sprinkle it on, like, the severe cut, and then you, uh, with that, then you pack it with gauze, and you, like, wrap it. and um, And that is pretty effective as well. And I think they sell those kits specifically... Uh, but, you know, you have to have those. I need to go through my first. This has kind of got me like, oh, I need yeah. to go through my first case. you have to have that kit in order for it to work. And the
0: problem about a first aid kit is you buy one or you use it and you start using stuff out of it and then – you know you're
1: like half, half a first aid kit. Half a
0: first aid kit. Blisters. Long treks are the main cause of blisters and they usually form on your heels. Here's how to prevent getting blisters on your feet. Boots that are subpar in quality or don't fit right or are not broken in will cause blisters quickly. Make sure you have boots that fit you properly and consider them getting heated and stretched for a more custom fit. Leather backpacking boots for long treks, including mountain huts, will last the longest and provide you with more support over non-leather. But they'll take lo- a lot longer to break in. <clears throat> Wear two pairs of socks. This helps prevent blisters and reduces aggravation of existing blisters because the two socks will rub together. I've always done that. But the, like the first sock you put on is like your silk is like a thin silk sock, so it's kind of like slippery. And then the second sock that you put on is your wool sock, and so
1: like those rub together,
0: and it doesn't rub
1: against your foot. Yeah, I always just bring duct tape and slap that on a blister. Duct
0: tape works good. Moleskin works. I've used moleskin Moleskin before. Surgical
1: tape, uh, crazy glue, oh,
0: small scissors, alcohol wipes. uh, That's what you need to keep in a blister kit. Ibuprofen, um, and to treat a blister, how do you treat a blister with uh, duct tape, Zach?
1: I slap duct tape on it. But duct tape on it. Oh, 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 wait. Ambassador (laughs) Tracy. Ambassador (laughs) (laughs) Your dad would be so proud. He's he's, he's proud of me every time. (laughs) Um,
0: uh, For moleskin, you cut out a hole in the moleskin the size of the blister. And that basically supports the area around the blister, and your blister sits in that hole to reduce friction. And prevent the blister from growing
1: further. Yeah, with duct tape, you just rip off a square and then you slap it on there.
0: Yeah, and the duct tape kind of acts like the silk sock because the sock is rubbing up against the duct mm-hmm. tape now and not up against the, uh,
1: yeah, the skin. And if you get really sweaty feet, you gotta reapply the duct tape like every every hour or so. Yeah,
0: if the pain gets really bad and the blister area begins to swell, take ibuprofen and continue to change the bandages daily. Wash with soap and boiled water or use another means to disinfect the blister. A thick layer of foam will provide the most relief and covering it with duct tape will help reduce painful friction on your heel. Uh, Sprained ankle. Ankles will roll. And this is one of the most common injuries in the outdoors because of uneven terrain in the backcountry. The chances of spraining an ankle increase with fatigue, slippery conditions, or when you are carrying a heavy load. Um, The typical treatment for sprained ankle begins with the acronym Rices. Here's a breakdown. R is for rest. To prevent further pain and injury, take some time to rest on the trail. An extra day or even a few hours to take the stress off the injury goes a long way. Ice. This helps reduce swelling, and reduced swelling promotes healing. Keep an instant cold pack or tune your first aid kit. Compression. Here's where your elastic bandage comes in. The tightness helps reduce swelling, and it adds an additional support to the ankle. Uh, elevation. Rest your ankle above the height of your heart. This will restrict the, bu- restrict the blood flow enough to reduce swelling and stabilization. This is particularly important for more severe sprained ankles because it's hard to tell the difference between a bad sprained ankle and a break. Added pressure on a break could result in serious injury or a compound fracture in extreme situations. So if things are bad and you have to get creative, stabilize the injury by splinting the angle, ankle with hiking poles, a snowshoe, or foam ground pad, and also take ibuprofen.
1: I sprained my ankle when I was trail running one time. I was about 2 miles into a run and I sprained I jumped over Are you sp- injury prone? <coughs> um <laughs> 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 I don't maybe. I think I'm just outside a lot. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Ambassador Tracing doesn't fix everything, you know. So
0: <laughs> Don't say that your dad will
1: be disappointed. Oh, I know. Yeah. Uh so no, I jumped over a log and I I tripped and I fell and I sprained my ankle and um as my ankle was swelling, I had to hike out of, of the... That's one thing that kind that, of stinks.
0: And that's the problem you yeah, have with the sprained ankle or anything. If you're like... If we're out, like what we're doing this past weekend on the Guadalupe, out fishing, we're close to our car, not a big deal. There's help. Like, yeah. something happened to me. You and Gabe could have, you know, dragged me mm-hmm. dragged me out or done whatever was needed. But if you're by yourself or you're really far in to the backcountry... Yeah. that's um,
1: That's the worst part.
0: And I think... Like, they have that technology now with those, like, SOS devices. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, like, if you're out, like, doing, like, a backcountry trip, taking one of those devices with you can be extremely helpful because they're GPS, they know your location. So if you're really in a pinch, like a bad break and you can't get out or something horrible happens, click that button, rescuers will come and save you. No shame. No shame. No shame. Your life is more important than what your friends think about you so man i did not think zach that this us talking about this would take up pretty much this long
1: me neither so i got lots of stories of things (laughs) broken (laughs) this was great oh yeah here
0: we come into it thinking we were literally talking before we recorded like man how are we gonna do two episodes in a row with just the toe with just the two of us and get through some fun content that was great um, we are going to move into a recording with Steve Maldonado from the Texas Fly Fishing and Brew Festival. Steve is an Umqua Signature Fly Tire. Yeah. He was really fun to uh, talk he is to. He was so
1: much fun to talk to, yeah.
0: I'm excited for you guys to listen to this episode. Steve is great. Um, he talks about fly design and fly tying and tips and tricks and just some really cool stuff. He's a really interesting guy. He's a big hunter, and uh, we had a great time talking with him. So I hope you guys enjoy our interview with Steve. Hey everybody! Uh, we are at the Texas Fly Fishing and Brew Festival doing another great interview. Right now, we're sitting down with Steve Maldonado. Um, Steve is an Umqua signature fly designer and uh, is is real popular in the in the fly tying side of things. And we're real excited to have him on on our show.
2: Good to be here, guys. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for joining yeah. us.
0: Thanks for joining us. So. Uh, You said that you are a a flight mechanic,
1: a plane mechanic.
2: Yeah, I work for Southwest Airlines, uh, been a jet mechanic there coming up on 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. And you're saying, so how did you get into that? Uh, Well, I grew up in a little town in southern Colorado. What's uh, it called? What town? La Junta. Okay. Yeah, and uh, southeast, I grew up right on the Arkansas River, and uh, there wasn't a whole lot going there, and uh, uh, so when I got out of high school, I decided to go into the Marine Corps and uh, went into the Marine Corps and... uh, uh, open contract, which means I could have just been anything, and I ended up uh, getting a job as a, a mechanic on a C-130s. And uh, after that, got my a license and all that and got out and uh, uh, started working on jets and been a jet mechanic my whole pretty much career. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's awesome. And speaking of like that, I, I recently watched a documentary on the Boeing uh, – 737, and the, I guess the new one that they put out and the problems that it was having because two planes crashed and that was a a big a yeah. big deal. Yeah, that was uh, the max. Yeah, the, yeah, 737 yeah. max. Mm-hmm. Yep, two a plane crashed in Indonesia and Ethiopia. Yeah, and uh, they were talking about you know kind of the design flaws mm-hmm. in that plane. It was real fascinating.
2: It was pretty fascinating. Yeah, and and uh, are you familiar with that? Oh, real very familiar yep. with that. Come to find out, I mean, a lot of that was really uh uh um in a, in a short way to say it's pilot error because those yeah. guys weren't really trained in that airplane gotcha those okay. were uh like Airbus pilots so they come in there uh an Airbus kind of does everything for you per se uh-huh. like uh, uh setting a uh, you know your uh truck to drive 55 the whole time and uh a Boeing airplane you got to fly it yeah. it doesn't have all them options mm-hmm. so it's uh they were just a little bit shy and you know it's unfortunate that happened but you know it's a uh, It's just uh, one of them things where they didn't have the real experience for that, and uh, it uh, just shouldn't have really happened. Yeah, Yeah,
0: it seems like it was twofold. I think there were, what you're saying, there were some Mm -hmm. some issues there, and then the the plane had some issues being the MAX. Yeah. And uh, it seemed like they were trying to avoid some pilot training, required pilot training on some new systems. Yeah. And so people may not have been as familiar as they should have been. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But that's how I got into it, and uh, I've been doing it ever since, and it's nice now – That I fish and hunt so much because I get you know fly everywhere, so it's pretty nice. That's great. Let
0: let me ask you this: What's the most common issue you see on an airplane? I know nothing about airplanes other than I get on them and go places. (laughs) What's the most common issue on an airplane?
2: Uh, there really isn't nothing that that actually, I mean, just uh, per se breaks all the time or have problems with. It's just uh, uh, it's like any other uh, piece of equipment. I mean, you know, you get your your brakes wear out. You know, it needs oil. But there's not nothing that uh, actually you have problems with. Yeah. And it's usually just routine maintenance over the years that they'll have a time change on stuff. You know, that gets old. They got to. Put a new one on it, uh, but as for something just like flat out breaking because it doesn't work, it just doesn't have Doesn't happen, happen at all yeah. no. No. well, well that, that's good to know. That's
1: good to know. <laughs> yeah.
0: There's so many FFA requirements I know on like service and maintenance oh, yeah, yeah. And all but that. Like you said, so changing out
1: every so often. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. and everything is like you know, there's double backup of everything. Yeah. You uh-huh. know, so
2: if a sensor fails, you know, there's two more. There's a backup. Y- there's yeah. a backup. Mm-hmm. So
1: yeah, our engine goes out. Yeah, or there's can a you yeah. Can,
2: yeah. And they have so much power. I mean, if one goes out, they can fly on a, on one engine. Yeah, it's a really unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Um,
0: so, tell us about your fly. How did you get into tying flies, and and uh, how did you get into tying flies and fly fishing?
2: Well, I grew up, like I said, in Colorado. Yeah, and uh, my whole deal there growing up was all elk hunting. Uh, the majority of it. My dad loved elk hunt, mule deer hunt so that's something i've done my whole life didn't really fish a lot even though growing up on the arkansas river uh just wasn't into the fly fishing it was just a big hunting family and we hunted and uh uh so when i was here in texas uh after i got out of the marine corps moved around got uh stationed here at love field and lived out in east texas and uh when I was in the Marine Corps, one of my friends, Sean, his dad was a, a bass pro back in the Bill Dance and back in the seventies, Yeah. and uh, he got me into the bass fishing. And uh, we fished in uh, North Carolina. Well, he was at, stationed at Cherry Point, and uh, he, he knew all about it. You know, growing up with a dad that was a bass pro, and yeah. I, I knew nothing about it growing up just in doing Colorado. Trout, and- yeah, trout, and uh, like I said, hunted mostly. And uh, I really got addicted to the bass fishing when I got moved here was at Southwest, a lot of the guys fished, you know, the bass boats, the whole shebang. Uh, ended up getting a bass boat and uh, fishing on the Bud Light Tour, the uh, the Bass Champs, yeah. you know, out at Fork and Tawakonee and all those lakes out there. And uh, did that for a long time and, and uh, had a regular partner, was one of my coworkers at Southwest and did really well out there. And then when I uh, got to, they opened up Denver, Southwest did, and a few years later I had the seniority to, even though I've been there forever, to... Go to Colorado. I uh, got back there, and it was at the time they were having the Denver Fly Fishing Show it was going to start that following weekend, which was at the uh, where they have the livestock show down there in Denver. It's uh-huh. kind of yeah. like here at Fort Worth. Yeah, and they had a big convention center, and I went over there. And uh, one of my friends, best friends, that's here with me, Philiwani, which is a world class tire. Uh, I happened to meet him uh, walking in there, and his uh, his normal deal is to ask people. Like he does at every show. Hey, let me show you a fly that helps you catch more fish. Kind of the <laughs> Jimmy Houston kind of deal. And uh, he lures people in, and I got over there, and we got to talking. And uh, he said, do you tie? And I said, no. And you know, I've been going to Broken Bow while I was here, but, yeah. you know, I just didn't really know nothing about it. And uh, he kind of took me under his wing and uh, showed me how to tie. And and like I said, he's a world-class tire and everybody knows him. And uh, I just uh, really – got into it and uh and and got into the fly fishing really heavy and and uh i had a i, I kind of had a what they called a niche for me was because from the bass fishing world as i started with the streamers because you know everybody there ties the tiny stuff and i'm thinking how can i incorporate my bass fishing into yeah trout fishing yeah and uh you know i i, I got into this you know doing the streamer deal and and uh you know, now I ended up being friends with a lot of people, Kelly Gallup and those guys that yeah. I actually really know really well, and and uh, uh, get invited to the big shows like the Streamer Love Fest, which is invite-only with all the big gun streamer guys that I guess I'm one of them now. <laughs> That's cool. And uh, uh, it's been really great, and, and and had the opportunity to travel all over the country and fish and meet tons of, like you guys, meet tons of people, tons of new friends, yeah. and yeah. Uh, it's been great for me. Yeah, it really. That's has. awesome. Yeah. What's your What's your number one pattern? Uh, probably my jungle junkie. Your, your jungle, jungle junkie. junkie. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, it's one of the ones Umqua come up with, and uh, it was actually going to be a a, a a pike fly, and when I turned it into Umqua, they uh, were gonna they, uh, at the time it was Dave Student was was uh, the head of Umqua. And uh, he wanted to kind of cross-utilize that and said it would work as a jungle fly, which I'm thinking you know, I wasn't even sure, what you know, where he was going with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, actually, right now, it's been a huge deal on uh, uh, peacock bass and golden dorado in Argentina uh, and, and uh, everywhere else. It's just a… Uh, so, that guy right there? That's it. That's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they had a big article on it with uh, uh, the guy that uh, uh, is a marketing director for Lamps and Reels. Uh-huh. And uh, they uh, umpqua sent him a bunch of those jungle junkies to take to Argentina for Golden Dorado, and uh, I was just reading it the other night. It just came out, and uh, he he gave me a big old kudos on it. That when they got to Argentina, the the guides, uh, Pira guide, uh, Lodge guide service told him that we don't we don't use those flies; they're too shiny. Uh-huh. And he said, "Well, I'm going to give it a shot anyway." And apparently, uh, they, he sent me a bunch of pictures uh, and said it was the unbel- most unbelievable experience with that fly, uh, and, and uh, in the words he said, he said uh, they even showed a, a picture where a piranha had taken two-thirds off of one of the flies, <laughs> and they caught their biggest dorado on the rest of the, the fly yeah. that was hardly just the head left. Yeah. He said it was unbelievable fly, so it's uh, it's been a big hit everywhere. Uh I'm going to, uh, with Pat Dorsey and and uh, Nomadic Waters. We're going back to, uh, Brazil in November. So that's going to be like one of the key flies that they want to want to fish with over there. So yeah. Pretty, pretty cool. Uh, is that your first time <laughs> awesome. to go there? Yeah. Or will that be your first time yeah, there? First for, time for, there. Yeah. So you're going to get to product test your own flies yeah. in some of these yeah. waters. Yeah. 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 So it's pretty, pretty that's cool. Pretty yeah. great. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, uh, I tarpon fish a lot. So I go, uh, every June with a friend of mine that I was in the Marines with. He guides, uh, out of Florida, he's a, he's one of the big deal guys over there. So What's his name? Rocky Thixton, Captain okay. Rock, Captain Rocky Thixton. Okay, and uh, uh, he's based out of Louisiana, so he does red fishing too. So it's uh, yeah, uh, Louisiana Fly Fishing Service. It's uh, Captain Rocky Thixton. Okay, and uh, he does the whole tarpon season there uh, in uh, Florida. And uh, I get to product test all my tarpon flies. Like most of the ones I have on my table there, that they're all they all slam tarpon pretty good. So yeah. it's, it's pretty cool getting to test stuff out. What's your favorite? I love tarpon fishing. What's your favorite uh, tarpon fly? Uh, we got one called the uh, the lunch money. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah a little bit, a little bitty one, and it's uh, it's caught me a 150 pound tarpon, and it's just a tiny little. It yeah. looks like nothing. No, I'm, yeah.
1: I'm, I'm, i because I fish the brunch money a little bit smaller pattern. Same, same thing, same but A little thing. bit smaller, little bit small, for yeah. our
2: rivers in, in, uh, and yeah. no country. Oh yeah, and it's, it's just, perfect. It, it's oh. it's perfect fly. So yeah. it's it's kind of neat getting to test your own stuff, and and uh, uh, you know, I tank test everything, and then I I fish everything. Yeah. Uh, all my trout flies that Umqua has, you know, they I, I make you know test them and. Tweak them and and uh, it's uh, it's something that I just do. It's a, you know I don't want to put a fly out there that that looks pretty but doesn't work. Yeah. So I mean I want to make sure it, it actually catches fish or does what it's supposed to do. It, it does what it's supposed to do, and I'll tweak it until you know I, it's a it's a, a good to go pattern, and then I'll submit it. Yeah. 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 That's that's awesome. How so does how does that work? You know,
0: getting your fly you know produced by manufacturer.
2: Uh, you you tie your fly. Uh, and it has to be absolutely perfect uh they look at it under microscopes i mean it's uh it's uh they have a committee once you submit a fly to them you fill out a sheet that has every uh material on there and all the codes if you have them if not they look them up and you submit that and it goes under committee with uh i think six or seven guys and uh several of these guys are on the olympic fly fishing team so they're they are they they you know they know their stuff and uh the marketing director is everybody's in there at the time when they have this close, you're not there, this closed door meeting, they look at everything, make sure it's marketable. uh, You know, make sure that they can, you know, uh, it looks like something that's going to work, you know, and, uh, and they let you know if, uh, if you, if you, if your patterns, you know, makes it or not. uh, And a lot of times when you walk in there and you hand them over uh, uh, to Brent now who, you know, took over the Umpqua deal there, you know, they'll let you know real quick, you know, if it's, not, if it's way, yeah. yeah, then I mean, some of the guys that are world class tires, you know, don't make it. It's it's really tough to get into, yeah. and it has to be something that doesn't look like anything else in the catalog. And there's a lot of them in the catalog, but there's only. uh oh, I'm, I'm, there's not very many Umqua tires at yeah. all. I mean, since uh, it started, uh, there's not very many, so it's really difficult to get in there. I mean, yeah. it's just uh, for me, it's just an honor to even say I'm in that bracket. You yeah. know, when you get with those guys, Jack Dennis and and Mike Lawson, and all these guys that started it back in the day. I mean, it's a uh, it's huge. It's yeah. it's really big to say you're an Umqua tire and uh, uh, be amongst that. That history of that is just to me is just giant. Yeah. So,
1: are you constantly trying to come up with new ideas? Like, how many are you submitting to Umqua a year?
2: Uh, that, well, uh, uh, two weeks ago I submitted uh, forty-one. Oh, whoa, okay. Well, so yeah. it's not just
1: like one every quarter no, or something. Yeah. It's like
2: you're constantly thinking. Yeah, and you're constantly tinkering, and-, and uh, uh, it's just uh, it's it's uh, yeah, you're your con. It's constantly on your mind what you can do. Uh. You know, uh, and, and like I said, being from here, I had a guy show me a crab pattern that they found out at PK on the river. Uh-huh. I've never, you know, he says he's never seen them. He's little black crabs, and and I tied him something that looks similar. So now I'm gonna, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, how can I make that exact? Because he sent me a picture of it, yeah. And how can I make that crab look just like that? I tweak it a little bit here and a bit there. maybe if they submit it, and you know, I tell them, hey, you know, they'll carry it here at Tailwaters, right? For you guys, so yeah. I'm doing whatever I can to help. He hit each specific, because everything, specific, every place is yeah, so different, you know. Yeah, so try to hit the region, and being as I was here, you know, try to type, you know, a craws at work here uh, in the lakes, or, you know, like, say, for that crab, you know, whatever I can do to get a pattern out there that they'll submit, I mean, that they'll accept to, to make... You know, fishing easier for you guys. Yeah, where you know, if you find a crab like that, you go, "Hey, I know where I can get a, that pattern." Yeah, exactly. So it makes it kind of neat. Yeah. So awesome.
0: man, you submitted forty-one, and we talked with Wes earlier. Yeah. Uh, Onion Creek Fly. He's a commercial tire. Yeah. And uh, he he's not a creative fly tire. He ties other people's patterns you know does permit flies and stuff like that that's kind of me i i don't i can't like i I just don't have the creativity to sit down and come up with something so how are you coming up with uh how are you getting 41 ideas for new flies fishing a whole
2: bunch yeah 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 and just uh uh just you just a lot of times i'll sit there at my bench and and just uh have some patterns that i'll just be staring at stuff you know and and thinking you know what, what do I need w- to do? What, what can I do to tweak that, you know, or, or make that crab look like something that, you know, that's not out there? Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of patterns out there that that are very similar, you know. And yeah. it, it, people do tie a lot of patterns that, that uh, are so close to everybody else's, you know. And that's a, kind of a frowned upon deal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you don't want to, you know, I don't want to tie a pattern that looks like, you know, Charlie Cravens or Pat do- I mean, I, you know, I want to stay far away from that. Yeah. Uh, and it's di- it's difficult. It's just got to, uh, you know. A lot of that is fishing a lot and and thinking how can I make this you know look different, but yet work. Uh, it's it's uh it's kind of weird. I don't know. It's how hard many, to explain.
0: So realistically, you submitted forty one. How many of those realistically are going to get picked up for the next year? And I don't know. It's 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 hard it to. Just, it, it just changes. It kind of depends. It, like it what's changes. Going on. I mean, some. Uh, how uh, many flies do you have in umqua right now?
2: Uh, I don't even know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, it, it, it's uh um. I've submitted. Uh, I think the last uh, a couple of years ago, I submitted like eighteen, and uh, they only kept like three of them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, tough. Just, yeah it's pretty. It's pretty it's tough. very tough. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, uh, to and me, you kind of already perfect. have your foot in the door. Yeah,
0: you're already on their yeah. program. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it seems like it'd be a little bit easier if you already have your foot in that door, foot in the door, and you have that, yeah. you know, connection, th- that right. connection already.
1: No,
2: it's not. It's just so
0: it's it's not, really. No.
2: So they 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 look at it. No, like you're, you're brand new. Really? I okay. I mean, those flies have to be and, – and when you do that, uh, like say they pick up uh, my crab pattern. Well, what I'd have to do then is i got to tie six more of them that are I, I, a- absolutely identical. perfect. And then what they do there is you're a marketing guy, you're a marketing you're a salesman, so they give them to the salesman guys, and they go show the fly shop. So they have to be perfect. So every – you know, when they come over here to you know, see one or they go to – Arkansas at a fly shop to try to sell, you know, get them in the door. You know, they look at these and they, you know, they've got to be perfect. And they're like, hey, this is something our, cl- our, our clients would exactly. want. Exactly. And uh, they'll take them over there when the guys go, yeah, man, wow, that's nice. Yeah. And then they'll, be, they'll put in a big order, and that's how that's how it ball rolls. But every time you submit them, uh, uh, there's, no, uh, there's no cushion there. they got to be perfect. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I yeah. bet it's tough. Yeah. And if, and if you have a fly in there that doesn't sell like they think it should, you better come up with a different pattern quick, because then they'll take you off the list. Right? Really? Yeah, yeah. So if it's uh, it's got to, like I said, it's got to be a marketable deal, and it's got to produce, or uh, you won't Before be able to retire no yeah. more. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so do you constantly have to be like? Uh, do you have a deal with them where you have to have like one picked up every so often? No. Okay. As no. long as the ones you already have there are still. Yeah, um, marketable, still so selling. Then exactly. you're, you're still yeah, and I'm you're still then You get a probably
2: nice. a percentage. I'm assuming. Of yeah, they sales. give you, yeah, they yeah. get a little royalty off of each fly. It's not. It's, it's not. It's uh, you know. I don't think you're living off of it. Oh no, no, no. It'll, <laughs> it'll buy you a few materials and you know stuff like that. You know, some a six pack of Mountain Dew. But I mean, it's you're not. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Get, you know, you're not getting. Uh, I mean, it's, you're you're not going to quit your job. Yeah, to yeah. do that. But I mean, it's just. Uh, it's it's now it's so intriguing to me, and I love it. And uh, you know I'm always thinking of ways to 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 bake different flies for different species. Yeah, so yeah. it's pretty cool. That's what, awesome. What are some of your other big patterns? Uh, I have my, uh, my No Mercy, I mean, not my Nuts, Phil's my, my uh, Maldos uh, PMD Emerger. Yeah. Which is a Wally Wing Emerger. Uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty unique. Uh, another big one over there, because we have the Trico hatch over there in the rivers, is, which is, is just massive in all the rivers, and I called it Maldos Trico. You know, uh, and it's just it's 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 a super tiny fly, and I I I'm not a real tiny fly guy, but I figured, nah, I'll 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 throw a couple in there. I never thought they'd. It even It sounds get like in there. you have a real variety. You have yeah. some like uh, jun- jungle, you know, jungle yeah, flies, tarpon bass. flies, yeah. peacock bass, and then you're tying tiny trichos. Yeah, <laughs> and I got some golden dorado flies. And, yeah, and the, but the majority of it's big stuff. Yeah. Uh, out of the 41 I turned in, uh, those are all streamers. Those, okay, those are all huge. Yeah, yeah, it's just uh, uh, I uh. I jumped off the wagon with the small stuff because I mean everybody up there ties them, and uh, and the guys that you know like Bed Pat and uh, and uh, some other guys that are uh, got the uh, that market cornered because I mean it's a huge deal and they've been there way longer than you know doing it longer than I have, and uh, but there's not a lot of guys that tie the big streamers that, that do that so. What yeah, are some awesome. what are some tips that you
0: have for maybe like a newer fly tires that are listening to this and they're maybe struggling or having a hard time? Do you have any good tips to to give new fly tires?
2: Yeah, I would just say uh, uh, don't overthink it. I mean, just uh, uh, watch you know try to watch a lot of you know videos if you can and some YouTube stuff with some great guys. I mean, if you're into the streamer thing, uh, I got some videos out there. Gunner Brammer, which he's a you know yep he. he He's a huge uh, into the streamers. You know, Kelly Gallup uh, is the king of it right there. I mean, watch a lot of videos and, and watch these guys uh, actually tie the flies. And, and I swear by Kelly's, Kelly's deal is thread control. I mean, the big deal is thread control and, and, and just paying attention to where you're at on the hook, not crowding the eye, just simple stuff like that. And, and don't overthink it uh, and uh, um, keep all your flies. Even if they're ugly, keep your flies. I got some of the first flies I tied, and, I mean, they're horrific. <laughs> yeah. They're horrible, you know, yeah. and, and I actually made a shadow board of uh, the flies that I first tied, and, and I thought they were kind of nice, and uh, now I have a shadow board of the flies that Umpqua has, and it's like, wow, I can't believe I went that far. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really kind of cool. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. 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 so just uh, whatever you tie, keep them. I mean, even if the fish tear them up, at least you know, they, you know they're taking them and, and try to— Keep that in your mind. Is uh, there's something about that fly that made that fish hit it? Uh, and try to figure out what that is and, and refine it from there. Yeah,
0: yeah. Do you um, do you do tie custom orders? So can people reach out to directly to
2: you and you'll you'll tie flies for them? Absolutely, absolutely. And that, that would be uh, River Rat custom flies. River Rat. Yeah. Oh, flies. I follow yeah. you. I yeah. didn't know that was you. <laughs> that's me. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So you get to reach out to me, and if you have a uh, want to talk about something or. And, and, and I'm not really set in any kind of, I'll, t- I'll do whatever you want. So, I mean, if you, there's something you kind of want to, hey, let me try this, let me try that, I can tie it up, send it to you, and you can either tell me, hey, the tail's too long, or let's try this, and when it, when it gets to where you want it, I'll, that's what I'll tie for you. Yeah, yeah.
0: very cool. What so, are some uh, tips and tricks you have, or uh, not tips and tricks, what are some tools that you, what's like your most common fly tying tools that you use? Everyone's kind of different there. They have some stuff that they really gravitate to. Yeah.
2: You mean like uh, material wise, or just uh, let's do materials and like actual tools you use
0: to tie that you were a big fan of.
2: Uh, I'm I'm really uh, and I've tried like bobbin wise, I've tried them all, and I've got them all. You know, handed to me the CNFs and the TMCOS, the the adjustable ones. Uh, and uh, I I uh, I go down to the just like the Doctor Slick, the ceramic tip. The cheapos, I love them. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I can control, you know, like I said, it's about thread control. I mean, it's a, if I can control it, uh, uh, like some of the, you know, the, the expensive Tiemco's where you kind of adjust the, adjust a magnet to do your thing. Yep. I don't, I, I, I want to be my own magnet and I want to do it myself. Yeah. So yeah. You kinda, yeah. Kinda palm it and yeah. Have yeah. And, uh, um, that's, uh real big I mean you no know, uh, th- that's why I tie on uh, I mean I use a regal vice yep and uh, I like it because the hook holding capacity uh, and I've tried the the nor vice where they spin the you know spin that stuff on there but yep. it's uh, uh you know it'll zip that stuff on there but I don't I can't really Control how tight it is. Yeah. And if I'm tying stuff for peacock bass or, you know, golden Dorado, pariah, stuff like that with big teeth, I want to be able to, cin- I I know, want to know that I'm cinching that thread down yeah. as tight as I can because I don't want to give somebody a bunch of flies that tear apart. Yeah. Uh, the vice to be is a big deal. Um, whip finishing, it's a, uh, I do it by hand or I do it with the with the tool. So it's a uh, uh, e- either or on that, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, the, uh, yeah, I'm just uh, it's uh, I'm, I'm not really set on a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, scissors, I got a whole array of them. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, with the hair, it's uh, the serrated deal because I use a lot of you know a lot of deer bucktail, a lot yeah. of moose mane. Uh, you can't use the real fine scissors. I mean, it'll just dull them real fast. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, it.
0: yeah. What's your favorite? F- what's your favorite material? Uh,
2: probably for... Um. Uh, Color-wise and durability, uh, and because like I said, a lot of streamers I, I use a lot of flash uh, would probably be any of the Semperfly stuff. Yeah, yeah, and it's just—I uh, mean, it's uh, the Simper flash is uh, uh, the, br- the colors are brilliant. You can't get a lot of those colors anywhere else. Um, yeah, I saw
0: that you're a Simperfly yeah, fly, yeah, yeah. fly tying materials. Yeah, yeah. Materials, I'm, I'm yeah, on yeah.
2: their staff, and I mean, it's just. Uh, and it's not really a plug to them when they asked me to, to get on there and I got on there. It's uh, Their stuff is just really awesome. I yeah. mean, it's just uh, the way it's made, uh, the process that they use. They make all their own machinery. Uh, uh, they make all their own thread spoolers, all that stuff. The thread's unbelievable strong, and I was a big Vivas guy until I started using the Semperfly, the 200 denier. It's just uh, um, you could take a 5 aught tarpon hook and bend it in a circle, and, and your bobbin will bend or break thread will not break. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. awesome. It's just unbelievable. Uh, so that's a, uh, and, uh, and you know, the, the, for the flash, I like that. Uh, the deer tail, of course, you know, nature spirit stuff makes, you know, fantastic deer. All yep. the deer stuff's just top notch. Um, Sounds like you have a lot of materials. How do you organize them? uh man that's a rough one there uh it's uh yeah it, it well like talking about your buddy's flight it looks like a pipe bomb went off in my freaking fly time yeah. room but you, as long as you know where it's at yeah. that's important yeah. One. yeah so it's uh it's uh yeah and, and i i just uh, i do i have uh uh plastic containers and i have them all stacked in the shelf uh throughout the house uh it's it, my house is when I redid my kitchen. I went down to, and uh, took all the all the cabinets in my basement, and I put all the cabinets up like a mini kitchen. So that's my fly tying room, and all my plastic containers have a uh, are labeled. So yeah, I know so you what's just for, see it. You yeah, know so it, yeah. I know what's labeled for you know steelhead flies, uh, bullies, you know tarpon. I just got and I, everything's in there, and then all my spare stuff that I have tons of is just in other drawers in the same containers. Uh, so it's just yeah, yeah. It's rough to keep together. Yeah, it's, it's no, clean. that's that's. Do you ar- do you work on a messy desk or do you work on a clean desk? Not clean, clean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If I tie uh, uh, and I you know do a lot of step tying uh, to get you know uh, orders out. So if I tie uh, say a bunch of jungle junkies, uh, I'll put everything away. I mean hooks. I'll hang everything back up, clean everything back up. And then I'll uh, sit there a little bit and uh, think of what I want to tie next, and then I'll start getting everything out for that pattern. And when I'm done with that, I put everything away. That's yeah. a great way because I I end up with like a stack of you will <laughs> of it, everything yeah. because yeah. I'm like
1: I'm like oh, I'll tie a couple of these. I'll tie a next yeah. thing I know I'm like three yeah. or four layers yeah. <laughs> <laughs> deep. Yeah. <of> different and, <laughs> and then you're digging for stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, something falls under the desk yeah. or something. Yeah. Never so <laughs> it's uh, it's
2: easiest for me to, to now that I've done that. And it was a it was like he was a it was a, lear- it was a, a eh, you know, I'll yeah. do that later. I'll do it later. Then I'm just piled. With stuff yeah. yeah and then it, it it takes you like a few a couple hours to get everything back to the point order. where when it's back in order then you don't want to tie it no more yeah, yeah. that's exactly so if it you is. just do it a, a little bit at a time whatever you tie put it away break something out and then uh it's it's enjoyable
1: if it, that's like yeah. the best i'm gonna take that tip home yeah <laughs> <laughs> clean up after each line. it is it's i a, try i try it.
0: to do that i don't always do it sometimes i'm yeah. on a roll and i grab but i try to keep my desk clean yeah, yeah. as best as i can exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah, no that's awesome.
1: Steve, so, thanks for coming
2: on. Absolutely thank you guys, you. thank we, you for having yeah. me. You can't say how much we appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, that you great. bet man. And I'll yeah. uh, I'll be back next year, so. Yeah, right, perfect. see you guys. Sounds great. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks guys. Hey Steve, real yeah. quick,
0: uh, before we go, uh, we're going to link your information in mm-hmm. the description of the podcast so people can go and find you. Okay. Would you have a website? It, it would be the, yeah, the River Rat. River yeah. Rat? Yeah. Is that on Instagram or is that your website? Both. Both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. River Rat.
2: Yeah, Custom Flies. Okay. Yeah. Actually, my Instagram is, my Instagram handle is goosekilla67. Goose killa 67 Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, we didn't even talk about that because yeah. you oh, were telling yeah. us about your goose hunting yeah, and everything. That's my, that's that's yeah, right. that's but right. Yeah. But I
0: know we're short on time, so we'll get you on again and yeah. we'll talk about elk hunting and we'll talk and about goose, goose hunting. hunting. Awesome, guys. Yeah. Perfect, man. Yeah. Thank awesome. you.
2: Thank you so You bet.
0: Bye!